Yes, hello, folks. Welcome to the special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown, and I's joined here with fantastic Kel Quinn. Uh, Kel's been on the podcast before. Kel has his own match in the podcast. Glory, glory. You can find it on his Twitter feed. Uh, he's had some fantastic guests on there. I know he's had Fabrizio on there. Uh, he's had a number of really good guests on there. I'm sure he'll tell you about that himself. So if you haven't had a chance, check out this month's podcast. He's filling in for Callum um, <clears throat> while Callum is off. So uh, first of all, Kel, uh, how can people find you? And welcome to the show, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to be on the show, Phil. Um, yeah, I'm the host of the Glory Glory podcast, and um, my uh, Twitter is Kyle underscore Quinn nineteen ninety nine. Go ahead and check them out, folks. Um, well worth it, and um, I appreciate you doing this. We tried to do this last week, or some technical hitches, unfortunately, and I'm the furthest thing from a, a technician, unless it's mixing substances to get you high. But other than that, um, not much one. But uh, lots to talk about, of course, uh, with the game at the weekend. Lots of people really unhappy with the result and performance. Of course, we'll talk about some transfer news. We'll talk about Van der Beek. We'll talk about whether players be coming in. You know, to have a link with Sul Negri again this morning. We'll talk about that. Uh, some of the other talking points around the football club. We'll start at the weekend. <clears throat> um, so lots of people upset. And it's funny because it's very predictable. It used to be if they did lose, it was Solskjaer's fault. Now, if they draw, it's his fault too. <clears throat> um, not nobody else's fault. None of the players, none of the coaches, nobody else at the football club. Solely his fault. But when United win, for the same people, it's everybody but Solskjaer. You know, when you're that myopic and when you're that pathological, you have nothing to add to the conversation. I did a video yesterday where I said, look, I don't know if Solskjaer's a top manager or not. The jury's still out on that. Um what I do know is he's done a good job. What I do know is that if he was to be sacked this season, there's no question about it, that someone coming into a football club would be inherited in a much better football club. I know everyone wants a, a central defensive infielder. I do too, right? But it won't be so Chris's fault if we don't get one. Trust me. You don't think he wants one, right? So uh, it's not because he's looking at Fred McTominay and saying, I'm happy with that. It's because the club won't give him money to bring in the players that he wants. There's a limit, you know, on what United can do financially. We know why. We know COVID and we know, of course, with the Glazer ownership. But I uh, just want to make that point. But at the weekend, Kyle, to me, a central defensive midfielder wasn't the reason why United didn't win that game. Uh, United had enough to win that game with what they had on the pitch. To me, if Cavani starts over Martial in, you know, where he's, where he's in form, uh, United win that game. Yeah. Um, we, I mean, we had five chances from set pieces alone and we didn't take them. Um, Cavani could have got a couple easily. Um, I, I was a bit unhappy with the manager's team selection, though. Uh, Fred Maddich uh, pairing in midfield is probably the worst midfield pairing that he could pick. Um, bringing Martial into the starting eleven obviously backfired as well. Um, I, I, we really, really miss McTominay, and we miss his his energy, his endeavour, his ability to carry the ball out from the back to you know get out of tight areas. You know. Fred's not able to do that. Um, Maric was once a great number six, but he's long past his best. He, he's off the pace in the Premier League now. Um, Martial was completely ineffective. You know, he, he he doesn't come short. He doesn't make runs in behind. You know, the ball keeps coming back when it's played up to him. And uh, yeah, it was really really disappointing. Um, we need we can't afford to be without McTominay in midfield. And I think we probably need Cavani to be playing as a number nine. You know, that makes us a, a much better team. But like like you touched on, we really need a, a number six um, as well for me, whether it be Camavinga, Ruben Neves, Sal Niguez, whoever. I think that, that that is an important signing. And it's not Solskjaer's fault that we haven't got that signing. 
I mean, I think it's an obvious area that United can improve on. Um, and I think that if Solskjaer had a blank checkbook, if he was working at PSG or if he was working at Chelsea or what have you, um, he would have that player. I have, I have no doubt. Um, <clears throat> but um, I don't know whether United will get anyone between now and then. Though, and we'll cover this in a bit more detail in, in, in a little bit. But um, I think, you know, people talk about that sound defensive midfielder. To me, there's such an obvious difference when Martial plays up front and Cavani plays up front. And if Cavani was 26, I would say United don't need a striker. They're set. But the problem is when Cavani doesn't play, they're lacking that killer, that number nine. Because it's not just his goals, it's his movement that creates opportunities for others. But also, you know, he got that magic touch of being in the right place at the right time. His movement is just a privilege to watch, just a fantastic, a consummate professional. And any half chance of force him, he takes. So he has such an obvious advantage he needed such an obvious improvement now when it comes to martial um look i lament the fact that we live in an era where we can no longer honestly criticize players without people accusing you of agendas and everything else which is just utter nonsense the only agenda i have is i want to see anthony marshall fulfill his potential and be the player that he promises to be but when i look at him i see i could be wrong here 100 percent um and in some ways, I hope I am wrong. But I see a footballer that's not mentally focused. I see a guy that doesn't desperately want to be a footballer, that doesn't want to do all the things that makes you the best player in the world. Uh, I think he's a type of guy that you can tell in the first 10 minutes what type of game you're going to get from him. Um, I think uh, he's a guy that body needs a new environment, a new challenge, something to wake him up internally. He looks like a player that's listless, is disinterested, to touched the ball 10 times in the first half. That's not good enough. You can't have that. You 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 know what I mean? When you're when you're coaching young kids, usually you gotta carry them one or two because they're daydreaming and everything else. When you at this level, you can't carry anyone. Right? I you can't have an Anthony Martial disinterested, especially in that position. You've no cutting edge. I mean, you nearly equalized. Where was the, the Alamo? You know. Disappointing, but at the same point, same time, it was the second game of the season. It's not, it's not cause for alarm. And I think that when you look at how far we've come, that people are losing their shit over a, over a draw, oh, that tells you an awful lot. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think it's partly down to the fact that United fans looked at the first seven games of the season and seen very winnable fixtures. And we've drawn our second game. And we've seen, you know, Chelsea and Liverpool get maximum points so far. Uh, that's probably uh, the reason why people are so upset. And Southampton, to be honest, uh, were twice as bad as what we were. They're, they're a team for me who will be in the bottom three coming into the season, in my opinion. Um, and, and yeah, Martial there. Um, he, he finished the the nine, the nineteen twenty season very strongly, as we know. But since then, he hasn't been good enough. Um, that's over a year ago now. He got four league goals, I think, last season. And he, he had a very poor campaign. And and, and this campaign is started off in a, in a similar fashion. So, like you said there, I, I do really think he needs a fresh challenge somewhere else. I completely agree with that. Um, the other one that I want to talk about is Paul Pogba. Because um, four assists, five this season, already four to five, five. I think he had three or four in the whole of last season. So... Um, 
he also looks like a footballer. You know, we, we, we talked about Luke Shaw, we've talked about other players where Sosu's got the best out of them, right? This is a guy he's got the best out of for. He's made now Pogba looks like a world-class midfielder. I have this sneak into space in the pop up who's going to stay at United, and I think that they feel confident he's going to stay. Hence the reason why they're not panicking about his contract. Solskjaer said there's been negotiations, uh, which I believe hundred <clears throat> percent. I have this feeling that if you look at Pogba, most of his problems go back to Mourinho. Isn't he? You know, his relationship with Solskjaer is magnificent. I mean, Arola's relationship even with Solskjaer is good. And Suskir's done nothing but try to be kind to him and to bring out the best in him and create an environment that brings out the best in him. I just wonder if Paul probably looks at that now and goes, especially if Ned to play well and, and challenge for titles, maybe it just makes sense to stay where he are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if he keeps up the form that he's producing at the moment, I'd be more than happy for him to stay. Uh, I thought he was our man of the match against Southampton. Obviously, he was fantastic against Leeds. Um, and he's playing really, really well at the moment. And this Paul Pogba will, uh, will give us a real chance of winning one of the major trophies this season. Completely agree. And that's a big, big, uh, uh, important, it's a big, important aspect because Pogba really is at this point in his career, especially with United, where United don't have anyone of that level that can come in over a commensurate level to Pogba, where um, they're going to give leg for leg. Which brings me. To Mr. Van der Beek. Now, this is a guy that when he came to United with a big reputation, he'd been fantastic at Ajax. And I'm scratching my head here because, okay, you need to talk about, oh, I need time to settle in. Well, this is his second season. If he's not getting games by January, he has to leave, no matter what. Now, what I've learned is that United have offers. For Van der Beek. Clubs have approached him and they want to send him in, in this window. United are unsure, from what I understand, about him, about what to do with him. My guess is he will stay this window. But if he's not getting games by January, it's hard to see how he, st- he stays. How do you get Van der Beek in this team? It just seems to me as if he wasn't a Solskjaer signing. He was he, he was a club signing. Um, I'm, I'm very disappointed by the way things have turned out so far because I watched him in the, the 2019 Champions League campaign where Ajax played against Real Madrid, Juventus and Tottenham and he was sensational. He was scoring goals in, in Champions League knockout ties. Um, and it just hasn't really worked out for him at United so far. Um, it's been documented that Solskjaer wanted Jack Grealish last summer on, and we signed Van der Beek instead. Um, he had a really good pre-season um, from, what, from what I've seen and he spoke up. Um, he's been working all his strength and conditioning and it seemed as if he was going to you know, get a chance at the, at the start of the season. But two games in, he's been a non-new sub uh, again and apparently he's been a non-new sub 20 times now. So... Uh, like you say, if this continues to January, I don't see any way back for him. So when you look at the way you need to play, is there a place for him where he could play his way into that midfield? Or do you look at United and say, he doesn't fit tactically to what United are doing with that midfield three? This is where I have questions. Because Lukaku is one of the top strikers in the world. 
No question about it. And will make a massive difference to Chelsea, in my opinion. It's a huge upgrade on what they've had with Timo Werner. And I think Lukaku is going to dramatically improve Chelsea to a point where they're serious title challenges. But I understood why Solskjaer got rid of him. Because he wanted strikers to play between the lines. He didn't want a target man. You know, United weren't going to play a different way. He wanted quick interchange between the forwards, almost those false nine forwards that fall off. Um, there aren't out and out strikers that, um, you know, like, like Guardiola likes to attack the spaces in between centre backs and, and full backs. <clears throat> um, Lukaku's not that player. If they play to his strengths, they get the best out of him. He is sort of a hybrid now. I think Italy has improved him. I think Antonio Conte has improved his fitness, his physique. And, you know, he's such a brilliant striker. But I'm looking to find a big. And, you know, I, I remember speaking to Franz Hoke, who knew him very well, of course, knew United very well. When, right when United signed him, one of the things he talked about was his versatility in midfield, about how he can play different roles. So that's going to be important if there's any chance for him to get in the team. But I look at that team and go on. Who's he, who's he taking out of that midfield? Because Lingard has a similar problem, but Van der Beek is at a point where his reputation is going to start seriously getting hit if he doesn't start playing regular football uh, because he's he, he's playing the amount of games you would expect someone who's a fringe player United don't really have any confidence in. Yeah, I, Solskjaer seems to believe that he's a, you know, a stand-in for Fernandez at number 10. I believe that Van der Beek can play a variety of positions. I, I would like to see him get a go uh, up the base in the midfield, you know, alongside Fred or Matic. I'd rather if he played instead of one of them two against Southampton, but Solskjaer obviously feels that he can't play that position in, in the Premier League. Um, but um, let's see what happens. We shall see, mate. That's of other that's of permutations with that midfield. And um, it's going to be really interesting. I, want, I actually, I read him. And I don't want him to go. I want to see him stay. I want to see United realize the player they have, and I want him to become the player that we saw at Ajax. When I, 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 I'm starting to worry for him. You know, when you say about a Solskjaer signing, I he to me is a Solskjaer signing because I don't think since Solskjaer's been at that football club, United are sending players above Solskjaer's head. I do not believe that for one minute. I don't believe they he has consulted has the final say. Um, so what we can't do because you know I'm a big Solskjaer fan we can't separate him from the failures he owns it right and and it's fair enough to assume that he had a major role in bringing Van der Beek there uh, the good thing being is that the price they bought him it's not at 40 million you could still get that back if you sold him um, he's still young he's still a top midfielder it's only been one bad move it hasn't worked for him but uh, as much as I want to see him work at United, if he hasn't been playing, if he's not playing by Christmas, he has to go in January. Um, I and I, I don't blame him for wanting to do that. Um, so many other things related to players being sold. United fans are upset that the club haven't sold players. Um, of the players that are available, there hasn't been many offers, if any at all. Right, so you can't sell a player you don't have an offer for. In order to sell anything, you have to have a willing. Purchase purchaser, you know, and United don't have that. Um, so that's where agents also have to do their job, right? So United don't go out and contact football clubs and offer to sell players. That's not how it's done, right? They sit down with their player, tell them you're free to leave, and usually they know months beforehand, right? Because that takes time to prepare. The agent then goes and does his job, develops interest of parties in his client, and brings those to the club. That's what agents do. 
that's their job, right? If those agents are not bringing offers the Manchester United for to consider, then they can't sell the player. Now, I accept that they also take responsibility for giving gluttonous contracts to players that didn't earn them, which, of course, is a problem. But, and I said this about De Gea, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> Jesus Christ, <coughs> get off, stay off that weight. <coughs> My lungs band like a quiver. <coughs> anyway, what I was saying there is, um, I don't know what shrooms have kicked in. Uh, with, 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 what was I saying there? Oh, uh, players, agents, agents, you're supposed to be listening to me, you see. <coughs> players, agents, right? They're supposed to be doing their job. But their job is to make sure you need know, to have serious offers to consider. And I said this about the hair, mate. <clears throat> if the hair was going to sit in the bench and collect his cash rather than go to a football club and start, then that tells you everything about the player. So if players are saying, you know what, I'm on big money here at Manchester United, I'm not leaving Manchester United to go play regular football somewhere else because I am being paid too much. How can you sell that player? Right? Now, yes, you can argue you don't have a contract that he has. That's fair enough. But it also, it's up to the player to want to play. Yeah. yeah. United's re- recruitment and uh, retainment policy, you know, pre-Solskjaer and even uh, during Solskjaer's reign is been pretty poor. You know, De Gea should not have been given a 350 grand a week contract as a, as a keeper because they'll never be able to sell him because no one else in Europe is going to pay a keeper that amount of money. Um, obviously, the worst example is the, the contract given to Phil Jones, which he, yeah. he did. Um, the, the, the struggle to get rid of the likes of Andres Pereira, uh, who's had to go out on loan to you know, Flamengo in, in Brazil. Um, they've had to loan out you know, to Inzabi as well and um, Dallo last summer. Um, yeah, it, it's United just don't have you know, players that other clubs want to buy. You know, I thought Lingard would be snapped up by West Ham or, or Leicester, but that hasn't happened. I'm just, I can't believe that West Ham are willing to pay 30 million euros for Kurt Zuma, mm-hmm. but they're not willing to offer that kind of cash for Lingard. I know he's in the last year of his contract, but surely um, they, they would offer, you know, around 25 million pounds. And that's a pretty fair deal for someone who was brilliant for them last season. And I would like to see him go back there because he really excelled there. And, He's not going to play at United. I think for the good of his his own career, he, he should go back there. I can't say it's well hundred percent certainly, but I was told this <clears throat> that Lingard didn't want to go back to West Ham. That Lingard wanted to go abroad, um, and that's part of the reason why West Ham haven't made that offer because he didn't want to go. I don't know if that's hundred percent the case, <clears throat> and maybe that's subject to change, as all decisions are, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, made the, I want to emphasize that point because I've got people tweeting me this morning because Fabrizio tweeted about, you know, they've been interested in Sol Niguez and contacting, you know, Sol Niguez's people. And apparently I said a week ago, which I did say a week ago, 100%, <clears throat> that there would be no more signings um, until players were sold, unless a major player was sold, which is unlikely at this point. And that is emphatically the message that comes back when you ask wasn't just given to me, by the way. <clears throat> it was given to Andy Mitten, Malik Shaw, what have you. And, um, you know, I saw like Shaw tweeting this morning about this, and he's 100% correct. It's not a question of whether Solskjaer notices the gaps in the team. <clears throat> of course he notices the gaps in the team. 
it's a question of whether he can convince the Glazers to finance another move and whether in this last week he can accomplish that. It's possible, you know, to change their mind and, and invest. I don't know. You know, I'm just telling you the situation as I understand it at that moment, but everything's fluid. I want to see Nick send them on another player. To me, if Camavinga is available for 30, 35 million euros, it's inconceivable to me that a football club that says that Manchester United cannot find that money to buy one of the best young players in Europe if you really want them at such a knockdown price. But, <clears throat> and I've said this as well, sorry for the, the coughing here, um, but uh, I've said this before, fuck me, I'm not clean shut up to me, man, I'm nearly, nearly dead here. Uh, I said this before, um, with, with uh, Camavinga, Camavinga wants to go to Spain. That's his preference. Also, Camavinga and Seoul have the same problem. They have the same agent in Stella. They're the ones touting this. They're the ones putting it all around. They're under pressure to move Seoul and Iguiz, right? And I, I'm not saying he won't go to Manchester, but I'd be very, 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 very surprised um, if that was the case. Maybe I'm just speculating here. Maybe that's why Solskjaer played Freedom Maddox in midfield against Southampton to send a message to the board that he needs another midfielder. Um, I'd love to see either of Sal Nguyen or Camavinga come in. Uh, Sal Nguyen, you know, I just have a feeling that he's going to go to Chelsea. Um, they seem like the favourites at the moment. Um, as you say, because United need to get someone off the books before they bring someone in. Uh, but regards to Camavinga. I would absolutely love to see United sign him. He seems like a fantastic young talent. And Jude Bynum springs to mind when I think of Camavinga. I don't want United to lose out on another youngster who could be absolutely sensational. So if he went elsewhere and turned out to be world-class, I'd be, I'd be fuming. Yeah, but again, remember, if the player doesn't want to go, United, there's nothing United can do about that. right? But what I would be concerned about is why are they losing Camavinga? Why are they losing Ballingham? Why are they losing Holland? Why can't they convince these players to come to Manchester United? That's something that I would be looking at and going, why are we not able to sell one of the biggest football clubs in the world to a young talent? You know, that that is, to me, something that deserves to be questioned. As for whether Solskjaer would send a message to the board, <clears throat> the last three years, I've seen Liverpool win the league, Liverpool win the Champions League, City, Chelsea win the Champions League, City win the league. City get the Champions League final. If that's not enough for Glazers to spend starting Fred McTominay against it, happens, certainly won't be. Um, what we can afford, of course, is dividends. Um, we'll make sure 100% that that money isn't touched. You know, it'd be just nice if the Glazers say, you know, I'm taking a billion out. Here's 35 back, 35 million back, you know. I know I've robbed your pockets and taken your watch, but here, let me give your wallet back with 40 in it, right? While I took the other, you know, ground out of your pocket and you can go buy something for yourself, some, right? <clears throat> I'm sorry when I hear Glazers have spent a lot of money. That's what I say is, no, 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 no. They didn't spend a lot of money. They stole money, gave a bit back of the money that they took and that was spent. That's not their money. So I'm sorry, you know, if they put their own money in their football club and spent, I would be all about them. I'd say here, this is exactly the type of ownership this football club needs. Someone who cares to the point where they're willing to put their own personal money on the line and invest and have personal risk themselves. But that's never happened. So don't tell me that's something that, that all of a sudden the football fans, and it's going to be really interesting to see if they keep the promises they made uh, a couple of months ago. <clears throat> I want to also touch on something that Gary Neville and uh, Jimmy Carragher talked about. And I'm with Jimmy Carragher here 100%. Even if I partially agree with Gary Neville in the sense that 
I still don't think United are title favourite, right? I would still put a couple of teams ahead of them, and it wouldn't surprise me if City and Chelsea finished above them. But when do we talk about Manchester United's league title challenges? And when is that a realistic expectation of Solskjaer? I think we're here. I think we're at this squad where we're saying we're one player away, most people will say, from challenging for a title, sound defensive midfielder. If that's the case, then it's reasonable to expect that Solskjaer wins a trophy and, and, and has a serious title challenge. If that title challenge and trophy doesn't emerge, if you need to have another FE season, then I think Solskjaer has to go. Right? He's done a very, very good job. The question that we have to ask for Solskjaer, I love him, right? I've done a video on him where, where I discuss my nuanced points on him because it's very difficult to get middle ground with Solskjaer. People either love him or hate him. To me, he's done an exceptional job so far. Not a perfect job, but he's done an exceptional job. <clears throat> he's restored a lot of things inside that football club that badly needed fixed. Uh, he, of course, he's moved Manchester United forward. You know, 27 games unbeaten away from home. You don't do that by accident. You don't finish second by accident. You don't finish in the top 10 coaches in the world by accident. But a Manchester United coach should be in the top 10 in the world. You should be in the top five. So for me, this is a season where Solskjaer answers all the questions that are asked about him. That squad is good enough and deep enough to be challenging for a title. And if it's not, why aren't they addressing the problems this summer to make sure that is the case? Because a Manchester United manager three years into his job should be challenging for a title. Yeah, his reputation uh, as a United player is under the threat. He, he, he'll always be an absolute legend. Uh, as a manager, he has taken us forward. We're in a much better position now than we were when Mourinho was sacked. Um, the question is, is he a winner? Can he take us to the next level? Can he bring trophies like Thomas Tuchel and Jurgen Klopp and, and Guardiola? Um, even if he doesn't, he's done a good job of you know bringing us you know back into a good position after Mourinho left us in a complete mess. Um, yeah, this season he, he needs to mount a, a title challenge to the end. You know we need to be getting within five points of the winners, and we need to pick up one of the cups for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that um, you can't be in a perpetual rebuild forever. At some point, the present has to be the future you were talking about in the past. I think I said that right. If you know what I mean, right? So when, when you're constantly talking about building for the future, when is the present, the future you were talking about? That has to be now, right? And when Solskjaer got that job, we talked about he needs three, four, or five windows, right? Well, you know, he's had more than a few windows. And I think... He's genuinely strengthened United in most of those windows. Genuinely strengthened United with Harry Maguire. Genuinely strengthened United with Bruno Fernandes. No question, right? Last summer, Tellez helped bring the best out of Shaw. Cavani definitely helped United. And obviously, Ahmad and <clears throat> Palesti, we don't know yet, right? Um, am I forgetting somebody? I can't remember. Uh, and then um, I do believe Varane... Uh, Varian Varan, Ravi Varan, uh, at Sancho is, a, is, is an improvement on what you need to have. No question, right? <clears throat> um, so I do think he's recruited well, which is something you needed, couldn't get right in the past. There's clearly, clearly, clearly an improvement on the types of players you needed are scouting, sending, and bringing into the football club. There's clearly, they've also did business earlier this summer, which was great. Um, I talked to people inside the football club and I asked them, Actually, I praised them. I said, you know, it was good to see that the football club seemed to be 
operating with much more nous. And what was interesting looking back to me was actually nothing has changed. The only thing that has changed is it is an easier market to buy. It's a hard market to sell, right? So, um, so they were able to get these deals done with much less fuss because we won a few clubs with money. So I give them some credit, not trying to pretend that lots of things have improved, but clearly there's a much more coherent strategy in how United recruit today than what they've done before. Um, piece by piece, I feel like they're, they're solving problems. But as Gary and I will say, United are going to need a strike next summer. In my opinion, if Solskjaer hasn't taken United to silverware and to trophies, should he be allowed to be the guy that goes out and says, here's another 150 million or 100 million on a striker? You know, now, the solutions are obvious. They'll probably be the same coaches. If you ask any coach, do you want Holland? They'll all want to say yes. Who would say no, right? So it may be that the next coach, there really is only a couple of top strikers that are obvious to me, right, that United you know, would go after. But the thing for me is, like you just said, what's not in question is Solskjaer's legend, his legendary status, not in doubt. What we're asking here is, is he a top manager that can take Manchester United to trophies, right? That's the last leg of the journey that we're not sure about. Um, so, and that to me has to be answered emphatically this season. And with Woodward leaving, if Solskjaer doesn't emphatically answer those questions this season, to me, he's in jeopardy. Yeah, either United have to win trophies this season or Solskjaer has to go. Yeah, that's for me. I don't normally uh, agree with Gary Neville in his debates with Jimmy Carragher about United. You know, I, it's very strange. I tend to agree with uh, uh, Carragher a lot, but I don't agree that United are title favourites. No, definitely not. I think definitely Chelsea and City are ahead of us in that respect. Um, Gary Neville wants to get Harry Kane right now. I think that will take United to the title. I think United's need, and most of the families would agree, is a number six right now. We've got Cavani as it stands. Next summer, yes, we need to break, bring in a number nine because Cavani will, will be leaving. But at, right now, I think the priority should be a number six. And then we'll have the complete 11. I mean, no excuses for not challenging for the title then. Well, I think that um, there are very few squads that are perfect, right? So if City don't get Harry Kane, then what you're going to have is City saying, we don't have everything we want, right? Um, we're missing a, a, a striker, but they're still going to be expected to win the league, right? Chelsea, possibly, they like Kunde, will he come from Sevilla? <clears throat> they've sold Zuma, they've sold a couple others to try to make room for that. Um, you know, it's, uh, so so all, there's very rarely do you get a situation where you have a squad that's 100% to your liking. Usually, if as a manager, you're really on that. You're really content. You always see places you can improve. So, to me, I think number six. If if United are the only if the only thing separated from that and the title challenge is a number six, United have to do everything they can to get that number six, right? But again, when Solskjaer's talking about being happy with his squad, right? And I understand some of this is rhetorical. He has to say this, right? Then I think that okay, and you have to deliver on the expectations of a Manchester United manager. United could never get rid of Solskjaer now, and it would be a massive mistake to even consider it. People forget how bad it was under Mourinho, right? How, how bad the football was. If Solskjaer doesn't deliver success this season and gets sacked or leaves, it will have no relevance that he finished second the season before. In the same way, 
that it didn't for Mourinho. In the same way, it didn't matter for Di Matteo that he won the Champions League months before and was sacked months after. And when I keep hearing these Mourinho phobes on, you know, they keep bringing up what he accomplished. It's not about what he finished the season before. It's where he finished the season he got sacked. That's what got him sacked. So, you know, the season before kept him in a job and got him a new contract that he shouldn't have got. So, you know, again, if, the, the, the fact that Solskjaer finished sacking for his critics is irrelevant at this point, right? It's a sign of progress, but it's not, it's not indicative of arriving at your destination of that. you. It's, it's a sign you're on the right road, but getting there is a whole different thing uh, to where you, where you want to go because the next leap is a quantum leap. It's a big one. And because that is going to result in a mentality, everything at Manchester United, that Europe, Europa League final to me was a concern with the mentality. United should have won that, right? <clears throat> and to me, we aren't in a position where we can be turning our nose up at trophies right now and say, oh, I don't need that one, don't need that one, don't need that one. So what won't be acceptable to me going out in the first group stage, going out in the group stage of the Champions League? No way, right? United needed a point from the last two games in the Champions League against PSG and Leipzig. We know what happened. The Besiksa here performance was a disgrace. A goal conceded that, quite frankly, was an embarrassment to anyone professional football. The PSG game where Fred was sent off was mismanagement from all in game management, no question. Right. So he's not, it's not, I'm not, he's not being perfect. I'm not afraid of criticism. Right. But overall, I think he's done a very, very good job. But to me, I think, uh, when you look at Tuchel winning the Champions League being there six months, Solskjaer's going to find it hard to argue for more time. And to be fair to Solskjaer, he puts that pressure on himself too, but it's going to be hard to argue for more time if he doesn't bring success this season. Yeah, um, United definitely had the players to go out there and beat Real in that match. But one thing I noticed uh, between two, the difference between uh, Tuchel and Solskjaer when in the games against Villarreal, of course, they played Villarreal in the Super Cup in Belfast a few weeks ago. Was that uh, Tuchel changed his keeper at the end of extra time for the shootout, and that won them the trophy? Solskjaer should have brought on Henderson at the end of, of extra time against Villarreal, and things could have turned out very differently because we know the guy didn't save any penalties and not only saved the or missed the crucial one at the end himself. Um, yeah, for me. Uh, Solskjaer needs to get closer to the champions this season. You no, know, if, if if he finishes two or three points behind the winners, um, if he picks up an FA Cup and he gets to the latter stages of the Champions League, I think then he warrants another season. If he wins nothing this season, then I think he should be sacked. Yeah, I don't want to see him sacked. Um, but um, I would I would honestly break my heart to see him sacked, and I think he deserves more respect than that. Um, so uh, I hope that doesn't happen. I hope if Solskjaer does leave United, he's kept on in some other capacity because he loves the football club. He clearly is intelligent. He clearly is very, very good at selecting the types of players United need in cooperation with John Murda. So perhaps a real director of football role where he comes in and has a massive say on how that football... Because he's been really, really important, Kel, to restore something that resembles Manchester United in terms of their culture, in terms of how the football club's values and how it should be run, what types of players they should be looking at. You know, I can recall so many times under Van Hal, so many times under Mourinho, infuriated at some of the decisions that were making, some of the players. Now, I'm just a stroke, right? So I'm not really well-placed to do this, but, you know, it's a family opinion. But when I looked at some of the players that were targeting, right, Jan Vertonghen, you know, Paris, it's decent player on that, 
Um, <clears throat> he's had a good career. Uh, and then I look at what they're doing on their soul score, and I look at the types of players they're targeting. These are the players we were crying out for. Why aren't they going after these talented young players and getting them before they explode? Why do we have to wait and then pay 90, 80, 90 million for them? Why can't we get the men like other clubs do? So the profile of player that they're going after, the way United are playing, you know, yes, they weren't great the weekend, but you can see that the, clearly the intent is to play high-intensity football that's expansive, that's creative, right? It's not to grind out wins and play percentages football. So I like everything that Solskjaer's done. There are very few things I could really disagree with, with decisions that he's made with players to move on, players that he's brought in, highest handle players that have brought in. So to me, I think uh, there's a lot of positives, but <clears throat> this is Manchester United, and they need to be winning trophies. And this is really the point where I think where we, we learn a lot about Solskjaer. Um, he probably will learn a lot about himself. I hope it works out. I hope he gets um, brings him out to success. Um, but if he doesn't, and if he fails, trust me, I won't be afraid to be to speak up and criticize him. You know, uh, but there are people that are so polemic on this issue that I don't want to listen to <clears throat> um, because they're not they're, they're completely incapable of being objective. Some other news: uh, Jimmy Garner, Brandon Williams out on loan. I think two good moves. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Garner going to Forest. We talked about this in last week's podcast, and they were actually managed to get broadcast. But um, this is with Jimmy Garner. Look, Forest have had a poor start this season. Right? Um, Chris Hutton's the type of manager that plays to his strengths. I would maybe have really preferred to see Jimmy Garner at a Premier League team to really test him in that in, in in that environment to see is he of that level. Um, also, to Heath Chong playing really really well for Birmingham. <clears throat> Be interesting to see what happens there. Um, good to see him playing so well. Uh, and then, of course, Brandon Williams the Norwich, which I think is a really, really good move for Brandon, uh, which will also result in Diogo Dallo staying. Yeah, I do think Jimmy Garner should have went on loan to Premier League team. But I, and I would have actually loved to see him be part of United's first team squad. Not in the first 11, obviously, but I'd rather see Garner on the bench than the man in Madrid at this point, to be honest. Um, we have seen Jurgen Klopp bring Harvey Elliott at 18 years old into a starting 11. Um, so why can't Solskjaer do that with, with Jimmy Garner? So I'm just offering a, an alternative viewpoint on that. Well, I mean, you need to do that with other young players. They brought in Mason Greenwood. Why aren't Liverpool playing their young talents every week like Mason Greenwood? Why aren't City going to their academy and getting a young star like Mason Greenwood and Marcus Rashford to read the front line rather than having to spend $150 million? Jimmy Garner wouldn't play enough for me um, he would probably play some games, but to me, I think you need to see more benefit with him playing every week at a club like Forest than playing fringe games at Old Trafford. We still got problems. We're, we just spent 10 minutes talking about Van de Beek, who can't get in United's team, right? So, do we have another Jimmy Garner in a Van de Beek situation that can't get in the team? You know, so to me, I think I agree with them loaning him out. And uh, I think, you know, Liverpool's situation is, is not analogous, you know, because Maybe you know the Harvey Wilson's ahead of Jimmy Garner. Maybe the way Liverpool play, it's different. It's, you know, maybe they don't have the money. If they had the money, they they buy a replacement. Um, Jimmy Garner started training with United's first team towards the start of last season. I have Michael Carrick on this pod, and we're talking about it. <clears throat> and they obviously rate him really highly. They made him sign a new contract before he left. So I think this is important for his development um, and for United to learn about him. 
uh, I think you have to be careful with playing too many young players and putting that pressure. That, like, th- this is the thing that people don't understand, and this is where maybe I feel some sense of uh, sympathy for Martial. The pressure at United is relentless. It's insane. You have to be a special type of human being to be able to meet those expectations, to be able to train like that, to be able to get the best out of yourself and for it not to affect you. So I think it's good for young players to not have that spotlight, to not have that pressure and to be able to develop. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, you're right. We have seen, like say, Rashford and Greenwood, you know, get their chance in United uh, first team and McTominay, obviously, as well. And uh, uh, Williams, um, although, although he's out and alone now. Um, it's just that... Um, I just think that I re- I've seen Jimmy Garner playing for the, the reserves for three years now, and he, he spreads the ball left and right. He, he scores goals from outside the box, inside the box. He takes all the free kicks and corners. And I think he would be a real asset for, for the first team right now, but that, that's just my opinion. Um, I don't think going back to Forest is really going to take him to the next level. I think if he was going to go out alone, it should have been a Premier League team in the bottom half of the table. Well, here's the thing we on the 23s. Right? And you ask anyone who's played professional football and will tell you, the gap between the under-23s and the Premier League is truly enormous. right? And in fact, this is a big problem because this is one of the reasons why clubs loan these players out so often. is because the standard at under-23 is nowhere near the equivalent of the Premier League. So it's just not a great barometer for clubs to evaluate players. Um, it helps, of course. And every once in a while, you just get a stupendous talent where you don't need to do that, where you already know he's, you know, an amazing Greenwood is a stupendous talent. You, you already know that by looking at him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, the championship is a is is a very, very good level of football. And I think um, the top half of the championship, to me, in terms of quality, are probably as good as the bottom six of the Premier League, right? So I think... Uh, I agree. I would have preferred to see him in the Premier League. Um, but, you know, Forrest are a, are a ball-playing football club. Chris Hutton are a ball-playing football club. So I think he is suited to that. And, uh, he, you know, if you look at his first loan last season against both Watford, it all went wrong. So you have to be really, really careful. And you hear Solskjaer talk about this. You know, obviously trust Forrest. They trust their, their plans for him. He's been there six months. He knows a football club. So I think that you need to feel comfortable that he's going to go there and play. And they, you hear them talk about this with the mad, but they're saying the loan has to be right because what can't happen is one of these young players goes out there on loan and doesn't play. You'd rather have them back at your own football club because at least you're training them. You know, you're playing with better players, your facilities, everything else. So I think they're being really, really careful and making sure they're getting, getting firm commitments from clubs that these players are, are, are fundamental to their plans. Yeah, um, it's just that on the Solskjaer, I think, the only he's made he's give lots of kids their debuts and Greenwood is the only one so far that's become a first team player. I would just like to see one or two more become first team players, but obviously Solskjaer is under huge pressure now to start start winning things. So he's probably going to be more uh, reliant on more senior players uh, right now. I don't he's not going to rely on youngsters this season when he's under pressure to start picking up honors. So here's the thing, Manchester United, right? <clears throat> and at all top football clubs, if you remember. Whenever Carlos Quiros took over at Real Madrid, you might not, you might be young, but I remember. And they had this policy of Zidane and Pavons, right? Where we signed Zidane's, but we also use young players from our academy supplement team. And Carlos Quiros said, the Pavons have to be some of the best players in the world. That's the problem. So when you're a, a coach from Manchester United and you have a, 
a need and a position, say left back, right back, midfield, whatever. You have to make sure that the person you're going to put in that position is one of the best in the world, okay? The probability that that player is in your academy is small. So if you promote a kid from your academy into your first team, you have to ask the same question you would ask if you send this player, okay, um, from the transfer market. Is this player one of the best players in the world in their respective positions? And if the answer is nobody has the potential, okay. If the answer is no, he has nowhere near the potential, could be a decent player, then they can, they're not matches native players, right? So the ratio of players that are going to come out of the United's academy and play in the first team is small, right? And make first team players. Despite that, like I just said, you know, you can have a forward line of Rashford, Sancho, and Greenwood. Now, two months in the academy graduates, one month city academy graduate, right? So United, more than any other top Premier League club, you see McTominay midfield, do give young players a chance. But just like Martial at the weekend, it's up to the players to take those opportunities and say, I'm going to make sure you pick me. Because it's Solskjaer's wants, would much rather promote a player or any manager from within because it's easier than having to go out and sign players. It's cheaper, but it's also riskier. And so um, it's not manager's fault that we have an environment where they get sacked after three defeats. Right, <clears throat> but here's the thing, man. For you know, we're we're sitting here talking about Harry Kane going to Man City for 150 million. And I see a lot of people say Guardiola must get this player to win the league. Staggering high that has never applied to Solskjaer whenever he's playing Greenwood and Rashford up front, and um, people are questioning whether you need really needed Jadon Sancho, but apparently City have to have Harry Kane. So we know there's different ways of winning different expectations of how teams should win. City have no, I don't want to be disrespectful here, but this is a fact. <clears throat> City have no historical culture of winning a certain way. When 2015, when Van Hal brought in Di Maria and all those players, Oliver Holt wrote a scathing article saying United had abandoned their identity and everything else, right? So not only do United have to win, they have purity, uh, barometers to clear. They have to have win playing a certain way because it's no longer acceptable for Stoke to win. If he doesn't win playing exciting attack on football, he gets attacked. Or the quality of the opposition is always brought up, right? So you need to have to win. They have to win well. They have to win exciting, and they have to have a smart run of youth players. This is no, no other club has this expectation, by the way, or on none of this nonsense, right? But apparently, this is part of the problem. The culture. It, they promote young players and they do it exceptionally well. Academy is important, but the expectations of the football club are, are very, very difficult on young players too. So, uh, you know, it, it is a hard club to play for um, mentally. So, uh, anyway, uh, you did have Wolves this weekend. So, big question is, of course, will Sancho and Varane start? <clears throat> so, I'll start with Varane. Varane has to start. And we, we, we'll, I'll explain why. Uh, <clears throat> we've talked about this before. You don't bring a centre back on halfway through a game unless you've got an injury or you're making a tactical change. So typically your back four stays the same once it's picked. It's like a goalkeeper, right? You don't want to change it. 
You may change fullbacks, but certainly you don't change centre backs unless something you're defending the lead or making a tactical change. At some point, Solskjaer has to go with his best centre back pairing that he feels is the long term pairing. And to me, this is the perfect game, especially after what we saw at the weekend, where he can come in and say, okay, this centre back's pairing starts now. Okay. Varane has been there long enough. He's trained long enough. It's time. I want to see him start. Sancho, I want to see him start, but less. It, it, it's less critical if he doesn't start because he will be brought in, as we saw at the weekend. But to me, I want to see both of them start this weekend. Yes, man, me too. Um, the, the question is, uh, who's going to be dropped for Varane? Now, it's likely to be Lindelof because Maguire's a captain. But you've got to say Lindelof, on the basis of the first two games of the season, is in better form than Maguire. So um, if Lindelof was taken out and Maguire stays in, you know it, it, the selections are not being made on merit? Well, yes and no. Form is temporary, class is permanent. Right? So you're going to have a good game. And, and see, this is something that also needs to be understood. There's a difference between a, a bad game and a bad player and a good game and a good player. Right? So Lindelof may have started better. But there's no question who the better centre-back is. And there's no question that Varane uh, was brought in to play with Harry Maguire. Right? Maguire plays on the left, um, Varane plays on the right at centre-back. <clears throat> so that has to be embedded now. Right? Um, we, we've had question marks over David De Gea, who, by the way, deserves a lot of credit for his performance the weekend. Um, you know, who saved United from conceding an identical second goal to conceded the first one, which was a free kick. No question about it. You can't go through a backup player, right? I'm all for more contact and everything else, but that's a free kick, right? And if it's not a free kick, the rules of the game have significantly changed. Fernandez has every right to expect a free kick with a player coming to the back room. And my concern is by November, December, they will be free kicks, right? And that inconsistency, which infuriates fans. I can understand inconsistency with nuanced decisions where there's a lot of subjectivity. But something like that is black and white. That, to me, there's no interpretation. Anyway, <clears throat> um, I want to see Sancho start this weekend. That wasn't great when he came on against Southampton. Right? It didn't really affect the game. But I think that Solskjaer bought these players to be an integral part of Manchester. But he certainly better have. They cost enough money. They're not players. They're impact players off a bench that have to play to win the team. He has to start. Okay, what was your vision with Sancho? Was the on the, on the right of a front three of, you know, Greenwood, Cavani, whatever? This week he has to start, right? And so for me, this is a difficult game, way to Wolves, right? Um, but uh, a game you need to have to win. Yeah, based on the fact that you no, know, Rashford's not available, Henderson's not available. My ideal United eleven would be uh, De Gea, Wambasaka, Maguire, Varane, Shaw. McTominay, Pogba, Bruno, Sancho, Cavani, and Greenwood. Hard to argue with that, really. Um, I, 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 I couldn't argue with much of that. Um, you know, uh, it'd be nice to see Cavani back because Cavani had something so different to what you need to have. Amazing Greenwood. Brilliant to see him. Two goals, two games, uh, start of the season. Didn't score until December last season. Um Season before, he was so prolific, second half of the season, which really got you into that top four. Um, <clears throat> so it's great to see him kick on. What a talent that kid is. That kid is going to be sensational. 
a very, very important player for the end of the season who I think will get close to 20 goals in this season. Then, of course, that leaves me with a big question mark. Do we do we feel confident going with you? Uh, if, if using Mason Green as a central striker, I think we'll get those answers this summer or this season of whether Mason Greenwood is ready to be played down the middle yet. Um, we don't know yet. Still such an incredible young player. Um, <clears throat> but uh, Cavani's experience, his quality, I said to start of the show that they never would have beaten him with him playing. Because uh, he would have been given, we would give us something so different. I believe that it would have created more chances, taken a chance, no question. I really hope he plays this weekend. It'll, I think it'll be a narrow result. It'll be close, um, but going to be really interesting to see how they respond. Because just to bring us back to Solskjaer a minute, after the game where United won against Leeds, to be fair to Solskjaer, one of the things he said was about getting carried away with praise and how you need to be consistent and have to go and get a result away to Southampton. Uh, he also said the same when you had to beat City last season, and they asked him, you know, how great with himself. Tell you after Sheffield United. And then they went out and lost, right? So, you know, Solskjaer's not one of these guys that's, you know, getting carried away with the win and, and, and you know, doesn't see what you see. So I give him credit for that. going to be really interesting to see how United players respond this weekend. Yeah, here's another question that's, that could be answered this weekend is in is when Varane comes in to the, the, the first eleven, does that mean he will stop playing the, the, the double pivot, McTominay and Fred to protect the back four? Will he then just pick just McTominay on his own now that we have pace uh, at centre back? And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see. I think that's going to depend on game by game basis. I think um it's horses for courses, and I think where he sees a significant threat, he will pay those two. But just on that, I don't think McTominay is a total defensive midfielder in the old fashioned sense. So I know lots of people criticize United for playing two holding midfielders, but McTominay isn't a holding midfielder in the old traditional sense. You know, he gets forward, he's a big physical presence, which is important, you know, and uh, <clears throat> it's going to be, I, I want to see him get more goals and use his physicality this season. Uh, and uh, I think it's also a big season for him because he also has some question marks to answer too. Uh, is he the best in his position? Um, I, I don't think you could argue that Scott McCombie's position in, uh, around the world. But if you look at Liverpool, the sum of their parts is greater than their individual quality. So some of this is about how you play in a team and how you complement the team. So maybe he's the best in his position for Manchester United. Um if not, he has to answer some big questions. But most of United's summer transfer budget next summer, I would imagine, is going to go on a striker. So um, if you're – I really want to see these midfielders, McTominay, what have you, continue to develop and step up. Um, and so uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer because when you go back to last summer, they were targeting players like Thiago, who were a different type of defensive midfielder, defensive midfielder with technique, with link, right? But not necessarily in the Conte, uh, uh, you know, form where you get someone that's no defensive midfielder. That personally, I'd love to see United, but United still have a problem playing out from the back. You saw it against Southampton. Actually, if you go back two years ago at Old Trafford, um, United were caught out. Pogba right on the edge of the box. Danny Ings scored. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Danny Ings. Same thing. Catching United out from playing out the back. That's clearly a tactic that Hassan Hootel employs 
that I feel you needed to have read better. Now, I think they played at the weekend with the players that they did because of the, the, the set-piece threat that Southampton posed. And I think he felt this isn't the right game to throw Varane in for his debut, given that this is an old-fashioned England game, English game where the balls are coming in high, where you've got a lot of set-piece issues, and James Ward-Prowse is their danger man. Every time the United have had a problem with Hampton, it's set-pieces, set-pieces, set-pieces. Right? <clears throat> if you remember, that's the Hampton game I'm talking about. United were leading. I think it was 3-2. with like five minutes to go. Right? Made substitutions, defensive substitutions. Nobody had the, had the ability to hold on to the ball, and they conceded really late. 3-3. Right? Um, so I think... Uh, he picked that team at the weekend with Southampton's strengths in mind. This weekend is different. This is a Wolves team that's a very continental team that has a lot of Portuguese players and what have you. Different type of game. This is where I think Varane and Sancho are suited to start, and hopefully they do. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, we need, we desperately need a number six, but on the midfielders we've got you know right now at the club I think McTominay is the best player to play in that position even though like you say he's not naturally a number six but I think he's a better player than than Fred and Maric and if we're playing just one whole midfielder he's the the man I would go with but you know we need to get somebody in this summer so he can play it from the back Uh, my, my my personal preference would be Ruben Neves from Wolves I mean, to actually see him on the big given an option. And now I think one of the problems that United have with Van de Beek and the concern is his discipline to hold shape um, from what I've heard before. Um, but could be wrong on that. But, uh, mate, we've waffled long enough. Lots of stuff covered here. I uh, want to say a massive thank you to you for doing this. Uh, apologies for last week, folks. I genuinely wanted to get this podcast out. We'll have all types of problems trying to get it out. Um, but... Uh, Thanks for stepping in for Callum, mate. Kyle, all the best. And uh, I'll make sure to tweet the link. Folks, go ahead, give us a follow and uh, listen to his podcast. There's some some excellent stuff on there. Thanks, mate. It's an absolute pleasure being on the show, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, Kyle. All the best, mate. See you. Bye.